Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Proverbs. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from the book of Acts. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he was at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured it out, what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my God, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Would you stand for the reading of the gospel? 
The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not demon-possessed. I am not possessed by a demon, Jesus said. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do, I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the dr truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That's the way we begin our worship services. That's the way we begin our life with God at baptism. And that's the way we live our lives, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, when my son was about seven years old, one time it was just the two of us in the car, and he said, Dad... Explain to me how a car works. <laughs> you know, where do you begin answering that? You know, do you start with the uh, combustion engine and trying to explain how that works? Do you start with the drivetrain? Do you explain how you have to have tires? Uh, do you explain how you have to have oil in the engine and so forth? Uh, it, it was a complex question, and I didn't feel like answering it at that time, okay, to a seven-year-old. Well, today is Trinity Sunday in the church year, and it's the one Sunday of the, of the church year where we really focus on who God is as triune. And while the Bible never has the word Trinity or triune in it, Scripture does reveal God to us as one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so it's good for us, even though we can't fully understand it, even though it's so complex, even though it's beyond our thinking even, to try to understand the God who made us, the God who redeemed us, and the God then who sanctifies us, who gives us faith in our hearts and our lives. You know, last week we, we celebrated Pentecost. And uh, just to review, that's the festival of the Holy Spirit. And remember how it was 50 days after Jesus had risen from the dead and the disciples were huddled up in the, in the upper room and they were still scared of what the Jews might do to them. And all of a sudden they heard a rushing wind. And then there were tongues of fire on their heads. And then they became on fire for Jesus. And they went around and they started sharing Jesus in languages that they had never learned before to people that they never knew. And the Holy Spirit was, was at work. 
And that's when Peter stands up and he gives this sermon, this message today that we have from Acts chapter 2 in our second lesson for today. And in that lesson, if you'll notice, we see all three persons of the Trinity at work to connect that day over 3,000 people, the birthday of the church, to a living relationship with God. Peter, he says, he tells the crowd how Jesus, who heard of Nazareth, performed many miracles, and yet the Father sent him to be put to death, to be sacrificed on a cross. And yet the proof that Jesus was living is that God, the Father, has raised this Jesus to life, and he says, we are all witnesses, we've all seen him. Jesus is the living proof of God the Father's love and mercy. And so we see the Father and Jesus at work in this, in this day of salvation. And then listen to what happened next. It says, then Peter says in verse 33, he says, the Holy Spirit has poured out to us what you now see and hear. Here at the birth of the church, we see God the Father who sent his son Jesus to save the world. And then we see God the Holy Spirit pouring that life-giving love and mercy and grace into the hearts of, of, of people who believed in him. You know, this doctrine of the Trinity, which we regularly confess in the creeds of the church, is more than just a, a teaching that, that came into common acceptance already in the second century AD for Christians. But it's a teaching for us on this Father's Day. It's a teaching that gives us comfort. It gives us a, a, a joy to know that God is still alive and that he's alive in you and me and that we then become the living proof of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hard to explain, complex, complicated, mysterious, you bet. And yet we can rejoice and even relax in the finished product of God's grace for us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's just kind of focus on the three persons of the Trinity and the work that we see here at Pentecost. First, we see God the Father. Now, usually when we talk about the first person of the Trinity, again, we point to our head because the Father is, he made everything. He's He's the creating head of all creation. In the beginning, God, what did he do? Created the heavens and the earth. But that's not where it stopped. Not only did God create us and all that exists, but then he preserves us. He keeps us going. And uh, I don't know about you, but this spring I've just kind of marveled at, at creation, how green everything is. I know we've had a lot of rain, too much rain, all right? Uh, my sprinkler system has not been, had been used once yet this year. Uh, but but we, then we marvel not only at creation, but we, we marvel at, at the human body, at, at the miracle of birth, how God sustains us and keeps us going through, through medications and surgeries and all that kind of stuff so that we can continue to live for him and serve him. Not only that, but here in Peter's sermon, we see how God the Father not only made the world, but then he initiated the plan to save the world. He sent his son on the mission to bring humanity back to himself. As Peter professes here in verse 32, he says, this God the Father raised Jesus to life. 
And as a result, verse 36, therefore all of Israel be assured of this, that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and God. What kind of love does God the Father have for us? Behold the manner of love in 1 John 3, the Father has given to us, that we are now called the very children of God. On this Father's Day, you may or may not have had a father whom you respected, who loved you, who cared for you. But it doesn't matter. You have a heavenly father who watches over you and provides for you, and it blesses you in so many ways. Another thing that the father does is that he selects, he chooses people like you and me. Ephesians 1 says that God the Father chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Here's another one of the great truths of God that we can't fully fathom, that in eternity, God already reached out and knew you. He already chose you to be his child. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. And yet he gives it to you freely. And rather than try to figure all this out, God, God's choosing is a matter of our faith. And really, it's a matter of our comfort. What a comfort to know that, that your belonging to your Lord, to your Heavenly Father, never depends on you. It's all about God and His grace, and we simply receive it through the hands of faith that God gives to us. God started your salvation, and He will make sure that it finishes in you too. So we got God the Father. Then we have God the Son. And, and again, we, we, we often point to our flesh because John puts it this way. In the beginning, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became one of us, just like you and me, except he had no sin. When we think about God the Son, uh, we, 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 perhaps he's the, Jesus is the easiest for us to kind of picture in our minds because we have lots of artist rendition. Because Jesus became a man, we, we, we kind of have in our, in our minds a picture of, of who Jesus was. I know above my computer, I have a picture of, of Jesus praying. It was a painting that my mother painted for me many years ago. And again, it's a Caucasian man with a nice trim beard and, and long hair and a white robe. And, uh, you know, that's the way, you know, I've kind of pictured Jesus. Well, no matter how we picture Jesus in our mind, in some way, while it's easy for us to comprehend who he is, it's also a mystery. It's also very challenging for us. On the one hand, Jesus became a man, but you say, at the same time, he was truly God. Why would the true God, who had everything in heavenly splendor, give it all up to come down to this earth? In Peter's sermon, we hear again how Jesus then gave up his life for us as he was nailed to the cross for the sins of the world. And he was raised to life so that he is both Lord and God. Jesus is our Redeemer. We, he's the one who paid the price for our sins. And it's amazing that that this Peter is the one who's called to give the main message on that Pentecost. Because remember, it was Peter who had failed Jesus. It was Peter who had denied Jesus in his greatest time of need, not once but three times. And yet somehow, the power of God and the Holy Spirit came so that 
so that Peter was able to stand up and to proclaim this living Christ of God. Jesus then, for Peter and for in that message, Peter wanted to make sure that Jesus became the focal point, that Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection is the foundation that we build our lives upon. As we say at our church, he is our cornerstone. It was in 1934 that Admiral Richard E. Byrd spent five months alone in Antarctica. In his autobiography called Alone, he details a time when he was conducting an experiment and he wandered off from his base. And as he wandered off to do this experiment, a blizzard came and it was a total whiteout and he couldn't see and he got disoriented and he wasn't sure where his hut was and where his safety was. And so he decided to do something about it. He nailed a stake into the ice and then he used the rope that he had and he started to go around in circles around the spike. He kept that one focal point. Well, he ran out of rope. Fortunately, he had another rope and he tied that on. And then the circles got ever wider and wider until finally he ended up right at his hut, right, right at his little, his little safety shelter. Friends, we need a reference point like that. And it's our Savior, Jesus Christ. In this world of, of darkness and, and, and chaos and ugliness, Jesus is the, is the light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He becomes our reference point whom we trust in, who died for us on the cross, who rose again to assure us that we belong to God and that nothing can ever separate us from his love. The Father, the Son, and finally the Holy Spirit. Peter in his message talks about the Holy Spirit as the one who has poured out this message, this life to us and to you. And sure enough, it was the Holy Spirit there at the birthday of the church that was alive And it tells us in that text that that day 3,000 people believed. And they didn't believe on their own. It was the Holy Spirit who poured the love of God, the Father, who poured the redeeming grace of Jesus into their hearts and their lives. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still at work today, thankfully. The Holy Spirit uh, didn't just start us and that was it, but the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us going. You know, it was back when I was in high school, my, my dad uh, let me use oftentimes his Volkswagen, and it was a 1968 Volkswagen. Anyone learn to drive on a Volkswagen? Okay. And it was a standard shift, of course, and this was up in Wisconsin. And there were weeks, and, and I know I sound like a, a, you know, somebody, remember when it was 20 below zero for the whole week, you know, it was cold. And uh, there were times when the car wouldn't start, so I learned to, to park the car on the top of an incline so that if it wouldn't start, what could I do? You get in it, right, and you pop the clutch, turn the key, and it started. I mean, it started every time like that. Well, the Holy Spirit not only gets us started, but he keeps us in our faith, and he gives us the grace to be able to do that. We're so privileged in our late service today, we get to have word and sacrament in its fullest form. We get to have a baptism. That's when the Holy Spirit starts us out in our life of faith, and we are baptized 
into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then as we keep growing in our faith, we hear God's word, and it starts early on as you parents, as you share about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to your children, and you teach them how to pray. And then they come to things like Vacation Bible School this week, and they are, they are touched by the Holy Spirit, and that faith continues to grow and thrive. And then as they get older, they join us at this meal at the altar that we call Holy Communion. And the Holy Spirit is at work through this, through this wonderful gift to unite us and assure us that, 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 that God's grace is for us, given and shed for you and for me for the forgiveness of sins. And then he, he joins us in a fellowship, a community of believers. And it's in that community that God's grace is celebrated and honored. Yesterday, we had a tragic death in our congregation. You're probably going to hear more about it. But the man who died belonged to a small group. And I was at, with the widow and because she was all alone. She has no fam other family. Their daughter was in Kentucky at, away at, at, at the university there. And so it was amazing to see how their small group rallied, rallied around them. And, and the comfort that they were able to provide and the strength to know that this loved one who passed away is now with the Lord. Friends, we need each other and we need that fellowship that the Holy Spirit provides for us as we gather like today in our worship around his word and around his sacrament and God continues to bless us and fill us with his grace. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is he easy to comprehend? Is he easy to understand? No. God remains a mystery for us. And by his grace, we hold on to him. And we hold on to the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to assure us of who we are as his children and to live that out in this life that we have by his grace. May God enable you to Firmly grasp who God is for you as we say it together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.